welcome to episode number 89 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on October the 18th, 2020. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show. I'm based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I've witnessed the over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help get people better prepared for at least 72 hours or longer. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, and my farmer's designated handyman. I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. And I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia. I'm a Canadian Armed Forces veteran, volunteer firefighter, and platoon captain, and also a volunteer search and rescue technician and prepper. Um, I've been preaching and living the prepper lifestyle to varying degrees for the last six years or so, and this was born out of necessity for the uh, ensuring the long-term and short-term survival of my young family, which includes three children. If you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Pepper Podcast on the air, you can buy a Canadian Pepper Podcast t-shirt at rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. If you are enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook. Submit a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to us. We also want your feedback, good, bad, or even if there's just a topic you want us to cover. You can shoot us an email, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Okay, so we've got some uh, OCD or, uh, o- or CDO content for you in this episode. <laughs> uh, first, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since our last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, keeping a tab on your preps. Uh, I put an article in today about a couple of hikers from Toronto who ended up in... Um, the mountains-ish of BC, uh, north of Vancouver, uh, ended up spending the night after getting lost. Um, the I, I found it entertaining within the article. The um, one of the one of the couples said that he he called, considered himself an experienced hiker. The search and rescue technicians that found him um, said that they were quite inexperienced and were on a trail that was well above their heads. Um, he did specifically mention in this. Um, in this article that he was not prepared to spend the night and it was more luck than skill that they were uh, still alive when they were found. And the best part was they were on Grouse Mountain, which in, uh, for the Vancouverites, uh, they're kind of having to giggle as we speak, but basically it's like if you go uphill, yeah, you're going to go further to the mountains, but literally if you go downhill, you're going to hit the city of Vancouver. You couldn't help but hit a house if you had downhill. So, yeah, um, yeah missed two million people, I guess, somehow. Hmm. I, it's... Torontonians for you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> As for myself, uh, actually, for the firefighters in attendance here, I was going to hope uh, you guys could uh, like flesh this out a bit. But it's actually a news article that uh, shows that no matter how safe you think you are from uh, a house fire, you never know. Because what happened was in downtown Vancouver here, literally like with trucks, fire trucks in attendance, these people had caught a fire with a restaurant. The truck showed up, put the fire out, or so they thought course uh fire spread throughout the attic and then it burning out five businesses in the area which goes to show that even if you're right downtown with fire trucks right there you can still get burned out of everything which i found so interesting we were talking about this off the air and it sounds like there was probably a void space somewhere that the firefighters inside weren't aware of um and we were talking about that especially with older buildings when they've changed hands a few times they've been renovated over and over uh it's virtually impossible to know that you're on that you're on an outside wall until you see brick, and even then, it's not a it's not a sure thing. Uh, so during the overhaul process, where the where the fire firefighters go through and find any hot spots, um, it's it's stuff that's really easy to miss if it's up in a uh, sometimes it's called a cock loft or a, fall, a false attic, and it can um, 
it can spread really quickly, especially when the buildings are, con are connected like that. Um, it reminds me of a house I worked in, um, I don't know, probably 15 years ago. And I was, I was installing a, um, a bathroom fan, like a vent, and they they, they brought the, the, the vent pipe down from the roof and I cut a hole. Like I was, you know, up in the attic and I cut a hole and it was plaster and I tapped out the part that, that I just cut and it just, the whole thing just crumbled and I was absolutely terrified that I had done significant damage to the ceiling. So I like jumped down out of the attic, dashed into the bathroom and there was not a speck of damage anywhere because there was actually a three foot void between the original ceiling that I had cut through and the drywall ceiling in the bathroom. So those void spaces are where that, um, where that's that smoke and heat end up and they're not found until it's in, until they uh, they flare up again yeah so uh, lesson learned i mean even if fire trucks are right there it's like doesn't mean yep. you're 100 fireproof absolutely not well and i mean there should there should be a firewall between those um those businesses or those establishments but you know it's it's something that can manifest itself right i mean um you know, somebody who would be in command of a fire, one of my first things would be to send crews into both of the exposures. So, on, you know, on the left side and the right side of the building, just to make sure that fire isn't spreading there. But again, like Alan said, I mean, if there's a void space and you don't catch it, it's very possible for the fire to even smolder there and then kind of rekindle, right? So, exactly. And if, especially if it's up in the attic, I mean, that's a, you know, there's, there's all kinds of technology like thermal imaging that will, that would give you that information. But if you are, if you aren't looking for it and if you, you know, if, if you don't, if, if it's not high high enough on your priority list to find, it's really, really easy to miss. Yeah, keywords should have a firewall, but you never know. It's building codes well, are kind even, of wonky, right? Even a firewall yeah. has limits, right? So a firewall, you know, firewalls are usually two two or three hours, depending on how they're on how they're built, if it's not uh, masonry. And if the fire's burning up there for a few hours without any knowledge and it's not being extinguished, then that firewall can fail uh, like any drywall any drywall gives you a rating um, in most commercial establishments you've got two layers of 5 8 drywall on both sides and that usually gives you three hours if it's complete if it's um, intact if it hasn't been penetrated with wires and ventilation and uh, not filled in properly which is a common occurrence, especially in renovations, um, which is another another reason. As much as I hate things like building permits, um, if you are getting a permit, then you are working within the building code, and the building code would specify what kind of fire resistance rating you have to have in there to prevent this problem. No, not to drag us on, but I mean, I've seen firewalls made of um, five eighths OSB. So, <laughs> like, and, and, and it was it was a, this was a new construction signed off by a building engineer and his five eights OSB for a firewall. So, I mean, that's a couple minutes, right? So, I think he misunderstood the meaning of firewall. He didn't mean to spread it. Like, yeah, <laughs> mean an actual wall of fire. Yes. <laughs> That's all. Awesome. Oh, so, the, the the point of that is take care of your own safety and uh, don't rely on your neighbors because chances are good they haven't done anything to protect your building. Perfect. Yeah. Right, so we for myself, for, uh, for news articles, um, shocking. I know. Get ready for this. Um, first, it was toilet paper. Now, paper towels are in short supply. So I guess everyone's used up their toilet paper and has migrated to paper towels. Or they still have lots of toilet paper from the last time. And so now they're just stocking up on, they need something else to focus on. Yeah. I don't know if anybody saw my, my post on Facebook earlier today. We were out doing the, the Costco run on a Sunday, which was a ridiculous idea to, to begin with. But um, yeah, they were fresh out of toilet paper 
and they were um, saying you could only take one package of uh, paper towel with you. So it was uh, they were restricting that. So interesting times. Full stock of food, though. That's but, that's the that's the really important part. We can live yeah. without poo paper and paper oh, towel. Yeah. yeah, you can always figure something out. But I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. So it's definitely interesting. Yeah. I saw my local Costco. Um, what people were doing to get around that is that they would basically go through the checkout line, and then their spouse would have a separate cart behind mm-hmm. them with just the paper towel or toilet paper in the cart. And then as they were checking out, they would their spouse and say, "There you go." And then they check out, and it's two separate <laughs> transactions, so you can't. Yeah. Well, it is what it is, I guess. Wherever, wherever there's a rule or wherever there's a mouse trap, you'll find smarter mice, right? You're building smarter yep. mice. Got it. All right. Shall we move into what we've done lately for preps? Indeed. All right. And it appears we've lost Hughes. So, oh, he's back. Back. Let me kill my camera, maybe. All right. There you go. You're okay. up, Hughes. You're up for what we've done lately for preps. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, let me get down to it here. So yeah, I've been preparing for the opening of general rifle deer season uh, here on the East Coast, which is going to be next Friday. Um, I've also finished all of the uh, fall preparedness around the home. So I'm ready, I'm ready for winter with the exception of DTV, which uh, needs a lot of dry train components. Uh, so that's going to be done sometime in November after hunting season, but before snow falls, because it's also my plow for my property. Uh, that's all I managed to get done last week or so. Hey, that's all right. Better than nothing. Uh, so for myself, uh, we actually uh, were on a radio show with uh, Mark Petroni, myself, and Ian. So that was fun on uh, Saga 960. Um, so I got to spread the word about the podcast and uh, make him realize that we don't wear tinfoil hats. Uh, as well, it's got the... Uh, <laughs> you don't wear tinfoil hats. You don't speak for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, hey you, you don't want to show yourself wearing your tinfoil hat in the, uh, the YouTube feed. That's fine. <laughs> um, as well, it got uh, the ham radio set up finally, so put a couple of pictures up there for uh, for Facebook. So if you're on the, the Facebook page, you can see my setup. Finally, got my uh, UHF and VHF antenna and my HF antenna up and working, and uh, all the wires and cables run and nicely tucked away in the ceiling here. So it's only been about two years of me saying I'm going to do it, and I finally took a couple of days and got it all set up, and I've been making all kinds of contacts on HF, so it's been fun. Fancy, fancy. Uh, yeah, and then uh, as well, started cleaning out, or pretty much have cleaned out the upper floor of the house now as um, the renovation prepa- or preps start. So, got to get everything out of the way so the construction crews can come in. Nice. Let the fun begin. Hey, have you noticed a big difference in your range with the uh, VHF with the antenna being higher up? Absolutely, yeah. I'm hitting repeaters all over the place now that I couldn't get before. It's uh, yeah, it made a made a big difference. How much higher? Like, what's the the difference? Uh, so before the antenna was just sitting on uh, on the second floor here, um, and now it's up off the chimney, so it's probably sitting about forty feet up, whereas okay. before it would have been about what maybe twenty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's made uh, made a big difference. Hmm. Yeah, and cool. it's still standing, so that's good. I must have done something right because we had a little bit of wind today <laughs> and it didn't come toppling over. So. Oh. All right. Uh, as for myself, I did the uh, radio show with Eric. Yeah, so it was nice. So it was our first live interview on the radio. So it was a little bit of a different experience. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I had to work a bunch. So boo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, while I was home, though, I uh, managed to pretty much finish off brass prep for the uh, wintertime reloading season. And so that was good because that's just uh, stuff that needs to be done. It's like the least desirable work to do. Um, chickens, the yeah, disease is over. So that's good. So 
Still got about 25,000 chickens worth of medicine to go, so I think we're okay there. Uh, I'm going to have to pass that forward. But anyway, um, managed to string some low-voltage wires for the uh, solar system we're slowly working on. And I got up to the wards, uh, the house where it's going to enter there, and I got to work on like getting some step-down transformers and stuff for cell phone charging and the like. Uh, let's see here. Applied for a volunteer position for the Maple Seed Instructor. So we'll see what happens. Um, proof positive that background checks are clearly a joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I can pass, I mean, what? Anyway. Um, see, here. I bought some extra hay from a local farmer. Uh, the best part is about living in a small town, you know, you get to the point where you just text the local farm guy and say, hey, I want to get some hay. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Just help yourself. Pay at the store whenever you can. I'm like, really? Are you sure? But yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's just a nice thing to get used to. So yeah, sure enough, <laughs> showed up to the store. They're like, oh yeah, we knew you were Kahneman, so it was all good. And it was it was fantastic. So, uh, you know, when the, the, you know, after hours or anything else, if you need some sort of stuff like that in the small town, you can get it, which is kind of nice. nice. That is nice. Um, I got a new generator this week. That was kind of fun. Um, so if, I don't know about everywhere else, but in my region of Ontario, uh, Lowe's has their Furman generators on sale for about half price. It's under 300 bucks for a 3,500-watt generator. And um, ran it for a few hours, started on the first pull, which is great. Um, gave me an opportunity to rotate some fuel stores and gave the chainsaw a good workout, breaking down a rather large tree trunk that I've been putting off for a while. Um, I've got renovations ongoing in my in my house. My, my office is uh, getting closer to being put back together, and so I'll be able to move you know move the ne- to the next phase. Uh, got the property kind of prepared for winter. Um, mowed the lawn for the last time this year, and putting the lawn furniture away, all that good stuff. Ch- topping up the fuel stores. Um, that's about all I got done this week. Got lots of things in in the air, but that's about what I've accomplished. All right. Well, with that, we'll move into the main topic then. All right. So uh, I guess the, the main problem with coast preparedness is after you get to a certain point, you're kind of worried about having, uh, you know, how many beans, band-aids, and bullets do I have? So, yeah. you know, it, it's always a tough call. It's like what you need to buy more of or less of, you know. Everything. Um, buy <laughs> everything. More, more of everything. And I think we're all guilty of that point where we all hit the store at some point. We're like, oh, yeah, look, at the, the Heinz beans are on sale. Let's grab 15 cases. Do you really need 15 cases, though, is the question, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I know we're going to say yes, but <laughs> if, it's nice to know just how many cases of Heinz beans you have, right? Next week, do you need another 15 cases, though? That's the question. Well, yes, but... <laughs> so uh there's gotta be a good way to keep track of all this stuff because if you don't you're gonna end up like a a borderline hoarder slash you know or buying too much of one and not enough of the other like if you have no band-aids whatsoever but you have 15 cases of heinz beans well it's not going to benefit everybody um in the long term right so i will guarantee you i can find a way to use beans as a bandage suppose it's like almost like a coagulant or something i don't know just grind them up exactly i bet i bet i could do it so episode 90 is how to use beans as a bandage. <laughs> that might be a special spinoff episode. Yeah. Behind the paywall. Um, yeah. Okay. So paper versus digital, I guess there's benefits to both. So we should talk about uh, which method we want to use, but um, I'm sure Eric can cover the OPSEC aspect of digital. Oh, absolutely. Um, but by the same token though, it's like, uh, yeah, it's very convenient to have stuff that's uh, digitally stored versus, you know, stuff on paper. Cause I guess if you lose that one list or if you, don't have it at the right spot while you're at the store trying to figure out what you need to buy. It's, it's you know, it's kind of hard to figure out which one you're going to 
to to use, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah, it's it's awfully convenient to have that electronic copy, especially you know you've got your your cell phone and your list, then it's all right there. But it can walk away. Yeah, and then your inventory list is in who knows hand, and it's not and then good. You become a target because they know what to look for. Um, <laughs> my my answer is both. Um, there's there's you have to have a, a, a paper backup of your digital and you have to have a digital yeah. backup of your paper because at some point one of those two things is going to fail you mm-hmm. hopefully not hopefully not both at the same time yeah that'd be a bad day that'd be a really bad day but hopefully it's one of those like you whichever one you lose access to you've still got the other um fortunately i think for most of us we are not interesting enough people to be targets of of security attacks that would care how many cans of beans we have in our basement I would imagine yeah. most of us are in that boat, but I'd like, not, I'd right, like to not think right now. I'd like not to think right I'm now. that infamous, but I'm not. So, yeah. <laughs> one of one of the things that we do more than anything is overestimate our own our own uh, worth yeah, in society, right. our own position in society. So, but Alan, um, you're internet famous. Come on now. <laughs> I've I've once I've once been recognized. <laughs> it wasn't me, was it? No, it wasn't you. It was your <laughs> wife, actually. <laughs> No, I, when I was in Eric's backyard, that was a planned visit. <laughs> so, Google Docs, uh, as far as like making lists with Google Docs, uh, thoughts on that, Eric? As far as like privacy concerns? Yeah, well, the the thing with Google Docs is you don't know who else has access to that document, right? They'll tell you, you know, yeah, sure, we never look at it; it's encrypted. Blah blah blah. Well, is it? Maybe, maybe not. But just keep in mind, anything you write in there, even though they say it's only only you can see it, well, maybe even if it is all properly protected and encrypted and, and Google never looks at it, one day you could, you know, right-click, left-click, hit a wrong button stroke, and all of a sudden you shared it out to a few people. So there's there's always ways that it can end up getting getting out there. So it just be cognizant of what you're putting in there, right? Yeah. Share with work email group. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Um, Too late. Dropbox has a similar, you know, similar drawback. Um, but then, you, frankly, the the program you use. I mean, we're, we've we've covered this a couple of times in, uh, in in cybersecurity. But I mean, just putting your documents in like a, in a different format makes it less accessible. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the, again, you know, you've you've got to balance right. Se- um, security is the security is is um, the the contraindication to convenience. So if you yeah. if you've got it, if you've got it super secure, which you can do, then you have to deal with it being a pain in the ass to uh, to get access to the information when you're at the grocery store and you see a really good deal on boxes of pasta and you go, do I need more pasta right now? Um, and if it's a 15 step process, you're less likely to actually look at it than if it's if it's easily accessible. So, if anything, if it's 15 steps, I'm just buying the pasta. Theoretically, and I mean, worst case scenario, you get at home, you realize you've got too much, you trade it with somebody else for something, and I think that's probably the the realistic yeah. thing. Um, when we're talking about documents, you know, organizing your documents, it's not just your not just your 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 inventory list, but you need copies of everything digitally. And I think we've again we've talked about this on on, other, on previous episodes. Um, Get it on paper, and as well as you know, be able to take it, be able to take that paper with you when you have to leave your house, but also have it online, backed up in a way that you can access it if you need to. Mm-hmm. If your paper yeah. copies disappear, 
So I was just going to say for, for me, um, I have everything in, I, I use Excel. I don't use Google sheets for this particular, um, for like, for like my inventory, I guess. And the reason I do so is for the reasons that Eric had mentioned is just that you don't know who has access to it. So basically I do use uh, an Excel sheet. Uh, it's a workbook and each one of the, um, sheets basically is for something different, like once for food, once for analog and stuff. And then I do have it on cloud storage, but I use, um, I don't use like Dropbox for this. I use like sync.com, which is a Canadian based, uh, provider. And it basically encrypts locally as opposed to, uh, in transit and on the cloud. But I also use, um, services similar to NordLocker or, uh, box which basically lets me encrypt it myself before I put it on the cloud. Um, so even if somebody were to have access to it and they somehow have a key for it, they don't have a key for the encryption that I put on it. Right. So that's and a again, great way to do it. Yeah. And, and, and there is a drawback in the sense that, you know, it is, it's not super easily accessible, but at the same time, I have a pretty good idea of what I have for preps and I don't, you know, if I see a good deal on past, that's not that big of a deal that I need to fetch it on my phone or anything like that. Right. So yeah, that's a great way of doing it. You keep control over the the keys at that point. Nobody else is going to get access to things. And, or if they, they do, it's going to take them a significant period of time to, to gain access. Right. To and I think, I think I'm only encrypting it with like AES 256 or something, but I mean, a couple hundred years, it's a couple hundred years for yeah. even, you know, for, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not, and, and again, I'm not concerned of, um, of governments getting hold of this, I'm more concerned about actors. And in that sense, I'm, I'm really have no concerns with the way that I'm encrypting it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that, you know, the computer can offer like, uh, you know, built in alarms, uh, for, you know, when you're getting low or when you, you know, have something that's due for maintenance, even like, you know, when's the last time you rotated your gas or somebody, if you have a, like a constant setting alarm, it's nice. You don't just sit there and worry about that stuff. It's just automatic yeah. pops up right in front of you. Right. Well, and that's what I did in the worksheet is uh, building macros um, when it comes to um, dates. So especially when it comes to perishable goods, even non-perishable goods, there's going to be a best before date. Um, I've set macros to basically alert me as to when those are coming up so that I move them to the front um, of the preps, I guess. Um, Same thing for fuel. So when I'm approaching the three-month or the six-month mark, depending on how it's been um, treated, um, there's a macro that basically alerts me. Now, I do have to open the sheet in order for the macro to function, but... Um, it's something that I'm in quite often, so it's it's not a big worry, right? So, yeah, I was actually interested. Like, I was uh, chat with a traveling prepper one time, and uh, we were discussing like bug out bags and stuff like that. And he actually had a spreadsheet all lined up where he actually weighed every individual item, and then basically, uh, you know, assigned a line in the spreadsheet so basically he could figure out the exact weight of everything right down to the ounce. So you know exactly, you know, if he if he added or subtracted stuff, how, how heavy his bug out bag would be. And he could tailor the weight for where he was going. Everything else was like fantastic. So there is definitely wow. a digital benefit there. You know, what I really yeah. like about that idea is that, you know, if you know that you have like a KFS or a canteen or something, that weighs a certain amount and you find something in the store that weighs half of what you currently have in your bag. I mean, that would be a great addition to your bag. I mean, over time, if you reduce the weight of the bag by like 20% or 30% allows you to obviously be lighter or add more stuff to it without adding bulk or weight. So I think that's a great idea. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, as for myself, like the, to the, for the limit of the computer stuff, I mean, like I like to keep uh, beside the obvious inventory and everything else on a, on a non-internet shared file or whatever but um google docs for uh, for myself just for like a do and get list so it's basically like if i'm sitting around the farm and there's something I either need to do that i've just reminded myself or something i need to get that I, when i get to home depot i've totally forgotten about it otherwise i just crank it out the phone right off the bat it's stored stored to the cloud so to speak and then that way if i'm in home depot i haven't forgotten that piece of paper at home i've got the do and get it's not a super secret list or anything else it's, it's not exactly like an opsec issue or anything else 
and same thing, uh, running running tally of the best price on something. So whether it be you know beans, bullets, or band aids, if uh, if I have a running list on a document that shows uh, the cheapest price for say a case of beans at Costco for this much, you know ninety nine cents a can or whatever, if I can beat that, I'll buy it and then ch- update the list to the point where I know what the cheapest thing is and where it is. So that's just a nice thing for uh, for mobile files, I guess. Oh yeah, I think accessible anywhere. Google Keep for that, um, just because it's again kind of cross-platform and it's um, it doesn't take up space in my drive and it's really easy. I find it really easy to find work on my phone, but I use an Android phone as opposed to an iPhone, so um, that's just me. I'm kind of interested in what Eric uses. I personally use Evernote, um, but I'd like to know what Eric uses for that stuff. Yeah, for just my my lists and such, I I keep it low tech. It's uh, usually just notes in my my iPhone, which is still semi techy, but Right. Not, nothing fancy. Just the notepad. Which boring, but yeah. <laughs> um so in terms of so that, that that works for your documents. In terms of stuff, um I'm a I'm a big fan of uh it's better to look look uh at it than look for it. Uh, I tend to use clear uh clear bins. I tend to, I usually get them from the dollar store. I can see what's inside. Um there are two basic ways to organize your stuff, either by category or by function. Um, both have their benefits. Organizing by category puts all of your hammers and striking tools in one place, all of your screwdrivers in another. Whereas organizing by function puts your wooden mallet with your chisels and your sledgehammer with your concrete tools. Um, either or, whichever work, whichever works best for you. Um, when I was a, when I actually worked for a living, and I was on, and I was on the tools. Let's, let's not pretend that I actually work anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I tend I tended to build tool kits. So if I had one, so my um, my job had one specific function. I would build a kit around that specific job. Uh, so I had everything I needed in one place. Uh, it made for a little bit of a uh, little bit of duplication of tools, which I don't think anybody minds. More tools are good. Um, Nowadays, uh, because I do a lot less of that, I like five-gallon buckets. So I have one kind of rolling tool bag I got at Home Depot. I put my basic hand tools in there, and then I have one five-gallon bucket that has all the stuff for my electrical work. So those are my morettes, my connectors, and scraps of wire, and wire cutters, and my multimeter, and my lockout tags, because I'm that kind of guy. Um, I put all that in a bucket. And then I have my electrical bucket, my hand tools, and that should get me everything I need to do electrical work in my house. I have a plumbing bucket that has my torch and my fittings and emery cloth and solder and all that stuff in one bucket so that I, if I'm doing plumbing work, I can grab that and build on my base kit and off I go. That works well for me. Some people obviously have a different, uh, a different method of organization, but no matter what, um, it has to work for you, and you have to be—you should be able to lay your hand on whatever it is that you have and what you need, what you want, at essentially an instant's notice. Um, well, that's my problem. Is I run into is like I—I I used to be really bad at like squirreling stuff away, so I have like a hammer here, a hammer there, just in case it's you know, so it's handy. <laughs> and yet, after a while, I didn't know how many I had or where they were or anything else. So it got to the point where I've gone the other way now towards like the caching syndrome. Where I get all my hammers in one spot. That way, I know if I've lent one out or one's broken or whatever, I can you know put it on the do and get list to replace it, or you know I don't have to sit there and wonder where it is. Uh, but the problem is that, of course, you know if you're subject to theft or anything else, and of course you lose all your hammers at once, that's a problem <laughs> too, right? Yep. So um, yeah, there's there's benefits to both for sure. But yeah, caching sure. versus squirreling, I guess. As as an example, the the generator that I bought came with a couple of uh, a couple of tools, just a you know a twelve mil a twelve mil wrench and a 
like a spark plug socket, uh, funnel for the oil because the oil ca- like the oil fill is in a really awkward spot. So I took all of that stuff, put it in a pencil case, and zip tied the pencil case to the um, to the frame of the um, of the generator along with the um, maintenance the maintenance manual. So I don't have to look for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I encourage absolutely everyone to read a book called uh, Getting Things Done, written by a gentleman by the name of David Allen. Uh, It's geared towards business people, uh, but essentially um, a a step-by-step process of how to make everything easy to find in your world. Um, And it's it's done done wonders for me. My my better half makes a lot of fun of me uh, for my distinct love of my label maker. she makes a lot of fun of me until she says, where is that one thing that I need? And I can lean into my desk and within two folders, I can pull out that piece of paper that she needs. That's ideal, right? That is. So, uh, it's yes. Is it a little obsessive? Probably. Is it a little excessive? Absolutely. But I'd rather err on the side of excess than the side of, um, yeah, I'm sure I've got that thing somewhere. That's just inefficient. It's a waste well, of time. I should- I mean, I think my wife saw me uh, like scrounging over the the cases of beans before and wondering what the expiry days is on everything. She just got to the point where she started like writing in marker and big big writing so I can see it, and uh, <laughs> you know showing the expiry date for every case, and that way you just stack them chronologically and everything else makes it easier to rotate. Okay. Obviously, it's low tech with the marker, but yeah, it's just like instantly you know what's going on there, right? So, just yep, like a label absolutely. maker, but but better. Yep. And uh, yeah, so like there's there's lots of stuff you can do as well to uh, avoid duplication, whether it be digital or whatever. But um, yeah, I'd say the more organized you are, the, the more efficient you are for sure, right? Absolutely. Yep. So I think I'll talk about a mistake I made early on is that I didn't go for the clear bins. I went for like the blue rubber, the blue uh, Rubbermaid totes. And then um, I was going to originally go with like the action packers, but they're almost like 50 to $80 a bin. So I went with the blue Rubbermaid bins. There's like three different sizes of them. And then I got this really nice fancy label maker and I was putting numbers on each one of the totes. And then I would basically uh, say that this item is in this tote. Well, that's great. But when you don't have your laptop in front of you and you're looking for something and all you're faced with is a bunch of numbers on totes, it just drives you absolutely insane. So I basically have to relabel everything with like Alan was, was, was saying that it's either a category or a function because realistically, if I'm looking for something in a pinch, I don't want to have to bring my laptop with me in order to find out what number um, above bin I'm looking for essentially, right? So I had to change that up a little bit. I thought it was being smart, but I, would, I made a mistake early on. So I've changed that since then. So now all the bins are labeled with basically either a category or a function, depending on what it is. Like if I have, um, I'll have a bin specifically for like duck hunting gear. I'll have a bin specifically for deer hunting gear. Um, I'll have a bin specifically for like backpacks and tack vests and all that kind of stuff. So. Yep. And that's in, in the, the flip side to that is if you simply number the bins um, and then do your standard, uh, your standard inventory system where um, you put the you put the list on the front of the bin. That can also work. Um, I do that. I do that when I move. Uh, every time, every time I've moved, um, I make a master list of like I number the boxes, uh, so I can I can look back at my master list and find the thing I'm looking for. Reference it back to a, a, a box number, and then I also put a copy of what's in that box. Like I, I print a copy of that and. St- tape it on the box so that if I'm opening that box, I know what I, I know what I'm going to see inside redundant and super nerdy. I admit, but it, uh, it, it makes for the least amount of where the heck did I put that thing? And I think one thing I've, I've really learned or really, um, 
appreciate is milk crates. Um, so, I mean, I've been able to buy fairly new milk crates for as cheap as $2 a piece. Um, so when it comes to that, I mean, just being able to stack them even 10 high and having stuff like this is my welding gear, this is extension cords, these are, you know, like um, LED scene lights, like that is just amazing to have that because I don't necessarily need a big Rubbermaid code for everything. I just need smaller compartmentalized, like two cubic foot um, storage things, right? And those milk crates are just amazing when it comes to that. Oh, they're awesome. I, I have a bunch of milk crates in the back of my pickup truck and they're all split off in the various tasks that I'll need if I'm out yeah. on the road and I'm faced with something. And I just bungee cord them in the back of the truck and they're there. Kissing and and what's awesome. What's perfect is that, yeah, like to your point, even for my truck, like when I have the tunnel covered down, I can fit too high and yep. something like four across the back of the truck. And it's like for somebody who's got a little bit of OCD when it comes to like arranging stuff, it's like, oh, it just, it just fits perfect. It's flush. There's no wasted space. <laughs> like how beautiful is this? Yep. Yeah. Not and they'll conveniently fit four one-gallon water jugs perfectly. So, oh, look at that! I was I was gonna ask if, it, ask if anybody actually put like milk or liquid in those things anymore. But yeah. I've put yeah. So um, when it comes to emergency measures, when they hand out stuff like water and whatnot, it's basically in four liter, four liter or one-gallon jugs. Um, so typically, I'll break down the cardboard and use the plastic milk crates to store that in, um, and it's 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 great for that purpose too, of course. So cool. Uh, another low tech method I had just uh, I think we mentioned on another podcast too is just for the jerry cans uh, rather than writing on the jerry cans because the date's always changing um, if you're actually going to rotate your gas uh, I just take a little piece of like painter's tape write with marker on the uh, actual date I filled it up that way I know when you know three to six months has happened before I change it out um, just another way to make sure you don't have the oldest gas sitting in the back corner of the room right I kind of do that but I found a, um, a bag of like a thousand of those little plastic rip-offs. So it's the little plot. It looks like a zip tie, but you basically put it around the zipper and there's, there's a room to write something on it. And then you kind of, it's like a breakaway tab. Um, anyways, I found a bag of a thousand of those. I put it around the handle. I write the date, similar to what Ian said. And then once I empty the jerry can, I rip it off and then I'm good to go to add another one. Right. So, um, and that's similar to what I do. So I use those tabs as well when it comes to like my trauma kit. Uh, my range bag and all that kind of stuff. Once once I've gone through it, including my bug out bag, my get home bag, once I've gone through it to check it, I basically put one of these locking tabs around the zipper um, and then I write the date in my initials to know that that's the last time I checked it and that nobody else has been in it since I checked it. Um, I, I do that, like I said, range bag, trauma bag, get home bag, bug out bag. Um, so it gives me a really quick indicator that, hey, nobody else has been in this and this is the last time I checked it. Yeah, it's like the tamper-proof seal to make sure that nobody's watching That's exactly, with, yeah. with, That's with your exactly. granola bar. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey! <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say, also, like, uh, you know, Alan will definitely sign on this one, too. Like, so, uh, you know, like, when they say to change out your batteries during the time changes for the fire, uh, sorry, smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors, obviously, the stuff like that, if you have pre-selected in your com- uh, computer calendar or just, like I said, time it with the time changes, easier to stay organized with stuff like that. You don't fall behind on it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's coming up in a couple of weeks, isn't it? Um, I believe it is. I yep. think it is. Um, by the way, when you're doing that, take um, change, change all your batteries and your smoke detectors, of course, uh, as well as your CO detectors. Do your do your function checks. Press the test button. Go around with a can of lubricant, not WD-40, but actual lubricant. Spray everything that moves. So your hinge rollers, your locks, your um, sorry, your drawer rollers, your hinges, all that stuff. Keep it all from squeaking. Uh, if you do that a couple of times a year, you will have far fewer failures, and you're less likely to run into things like frozen locks in the winter. 
Well, yeah, like so, just like uh, just like you mentioned that uh, tying in maintenance with your uh, your calendar as well. So whether it be generator maintenance or car or whatever, uh, staying organized on top of stuff like that, then you're less likely to have a breakdown in the uh, the wrong time, right? Absolutely. Oh, Victory absolutely, favors yeah. the prepared. The more the more yep. on top of the the general maintenance you are, the less likely you are to uh, to run into a failure. Cool. Uh, one last trick I had to stay organized was uh, in the woodshed. The actually previous owner started it, and I finished it off. But basically, they took the woodshed, which is an irregular shape, but they figured out exactly how much one quarter of wood was, uh, and then basically filled the woodshed up to that point, and then drew a line that was like one cord, and they of course had the line for the second cord and everything else. Um, so you can see how much is left and how much you're using every year. So you can see like on an average year how many cords you use. Um, so it helps you stay organized with either what you have to cut down or order or whatever. And uh, also how much you have left as far as a, uh, as a backup supply goes. So it's a, uh, it's a neat little thing to do. Yeah. Just do all your measuring ahead of time. That's handy. My, mile markers. Absolutely. Um, I remember unloading trucks at a big box retail and uh, half, about half the trailers were marked at the quarter, half and three quarter marks so that we knew that we were getting close to the end, but um, same concept. <laughs> the, the, the end, the end is near. <laughs> well, that, that might be a good thing, might be a bad thing, but at least you know. Jeez, oh, it's appropriate a whole lot, comment a for better. a prepper podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole lot better than getting to the end and not knowing. Fair enough. I think that's all I've got. That's that's lots of. We've talked about lots of stuff here. Actually, yeah. uh, Infamy C mentions that pencil cases are a great storage bag for small stuff. Uh, back in school time, you can get them dirt cheap too. Um, yeah. That's very true. Like uh, everything from like, uh, spare keys to like uh, small pocket knives or everything else. If you want to have a little cash, like your little collection of pocket knives to, to choose from versus trying to find them in each individual drawer. But it's certainly helpful. Absolutely. And I, I think we met, I think I mentioned it when we were talking about car kits, like everything in my, everything in my car, my truck now is, uh, is all in pencil cases. If it fits in a pencil case, I put it there and I label the outside of the case with what's in it. Um, I usually buy them at the dollar store cause they're the same. They're all the same size. Um, and then I color code them. So I've got, uh, anything that's medical is red, anything that's, uh, um, light and fire is blue and, and everything else is green so you know what's neat is uh i noticed that some pencil unfortunately being on the west coast sorry you go ahead Ian. no no you go for it oh i was just gonna say a lot of the uh pencil cases have the three holes in it for when you put them in a binder um so you can put a carabiner around those and then you can have a couple yep. on a carabiner like um alan said have the red one for medical blue could be tools yellow could be um edge blades right so um, if you don't, they all they all have um, they're all made of nylon. If you heat up the end of a uh, of a poker or something, you can poke uh, poke it through the corner. It seals it. You end up with a hole. You can put a key ring through it. Well, there you go. I've done that more than a few times. Well, yeah, plus aftermarket grommet kits and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. We've got um, uh, another comment in the live chat here, uh, just from Nancy in regards to. Every time she moves, she gets everything organized, and then it all falls apart again until it's the next time to move. So that's why keeping the organizing is staying just sticking keep things with in it. Bins, Nancy, if if if, you're, if if that system works for you, just keep them in bins. Yep. You know where everything is. You don't have to worry about it. Then you're also ready to move at any given time. Yep, that's the key to organizing. The hardest part of that too. Well, exactly. As soon as you take something out, you got to update the the list, which is always yeah. not always easy, right? <laughs> yeah, and and the idea of I'm going to update it later. No, nope. never happens. No, nope. there is no later. No, no, no. If I don't write it down in Google Notes on my phone, when I think of something, it's not going to get done or not going to no. get bought. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like, it's just 
Yeah, my like a sieve. My, my my entire world revolves around if it's not written down, it didn't happen. Yep. Exactly. Or it's not going to happen. Yep. I'm impressed. I remember to be here every Sunday at nine. <laughs> well, we have to remind you at least twice a month <laughs> to, get, to get off the radio and get over here. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> actually, it's kind of funny because you guys mentioned the pencil cases there. I, I started going with the Ziploc bags for the simple fact you can see in them and everything else. Uh, plus the the high moisture content around here during the winter time. So for the in car kits, whether it be uh, flashlights, batteries, you know, uh, lighter, pocket knife, whatever, throw it all in a Ziploc bag. Easy to grab, easy to leave with, and also keeps the rust off, right? Yep, absolutely. That's a good point and too. Yeah, double double duty. That uh, if you really, really, really get desperate, it's a place that you can collect water. That's true. Yeah, yep. Nothing wrong with that. I've I've like my backpacks. Whenever I pack hiking bags, I pack everything in Ziploc bags for again the double purpose. One, it keeps everything dry. Two, it keeps everything organized. And three, if I end up in a position where I need to collect water, I've got lots of Ziploc bags for it. <laughs> Do yourselves a favor. Don't cheap out on that. Buy the good ones. The Ziploc brand are worth it. Yeah, dollar store ones suck. They're terrible. Right. You said, uh, did you mention that book again already, Alan? I did. Uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen. Um, fantastic, fantastic read. He's written a number of books. Uh, everything that he does is about productivity. Again, it's kind of geared towards the business, the business community. Um, but just like most things, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good. Uh, good information that you can uh, you can take out of that. Um, if you uh, follow the Amazon link in our show notes, uh, do a quick search for getting things done. That would be uh, that'll that'll get you there. It'll get it to your door within a couple of days. It's a it's an in stock item for the most part. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. It's oh, it's a great book. I, I recommend every, literally everybody read it, whether you're in business or not. It's uh, add it to the list. Yep. It. I mean. Again, I'm you know you can take it too far, and I mean I I like to you know line things up in the drawers in the kitchen a certain way, and um, other people in my house don't necessarily uh, follow the same rules that I that are following the same guidelines, <laughs> which is, which can be a little frustrating sometimes. But um, and I suppose that's probably the last the last quote to put on there is that um, no matter what you do, you have to get the you have to get everybody that's involved in your stuff on board with it. So if you have um, you know, if you're if your significant other, your kids, or um, your your mutual assistance people are all involved in this, everybody's got to be playing by the same playbook. Otherwise, your fantastic inventory and organization system isn't going to mean anything to them. They're not going to be able to find what they need, or they'll be very well-meaning and try and put it back where they think it belongs, and it won't go there. And then you'll be looking for it, and it won't be there. And that's yep. equally frustrating. So just make sure whatever it is. Um, it's on. Uh, it's it's everybody's everybody's aware of it. We've got another uh, another good point in uh, the live chat here from Dan. Just says uh, small vacuum bags can uh, be used to store extra clothes in a get home bag or emergency car bag. Great way to save some space. Yep, I'm. I was uh, thinking about that actually. I've got a my um, so my my emergency bag that was in my SUV lived in the back, you know, lived in the, in the trunk area. And it was a, just a duffel bag. I don't re- don't necessarily want that in my truck over the winter. So I'm going to put, uh, I've changed that out to a plastic tote. So I was thinking that the, uh, um, with a little bit more limited space, then maybe that would be a good idea for, for all the extra warm clothes that I put in there. That's well, a yeah, great idea. Say space that keeps the mildew off, right? Or the mold yeah. off. Like that's, that's what I was thinking. It was mostly to, mostly to keep it dry. Um, and so rather than just pack everything in garbage bags, which isn't a bad idea, if I can pack it in the vacuum bag, save space and keep it dry. That's what I 
did for my uh, get home bag and bug out bag um, on Amazon. You can get like a pack of, I don't know, it's like 10 vacuum bag for clothing uh, for like 40 bucks or so. And then you just use a shop vac, you suck all the air out of it. Um, and I mean, it's, it doesn't reduce the weight by any means, but it basically, I, I would say it's about a 50% reduction in actual volume, um, especially when it comes to baggy clothes. Like if you're going to look at like a hoodie or something like that, right? So it's definitely worth it when space is, is a premium. So, All right. Yeah. Deal. I'll do that. I'll order, I'll order those and we'll report on it next week. Awesome. Probably two weeks, but next week. <laughs> <laughs> next week at some point. At some point. Yep. Yeah. Right. Anybody on the panel have any other uh, organizing tips, tricks, or what have you? Oh, I think that's pretty much it. Just just right. find a system that works for you. Um, yeah. I mean, I know that we've thrown out a few ideas here, and if you go online, there's going to be an infinite number of systems. Um, but just find something that works for you. Make sure that you're consistent. You stick with it. Um, you're not going to have any issues, right? So it's just, I mean, every every system has its pros and cons. Just find one that works and stick with it. Yep. And anybody looking for the the milk crates, you can find them either on Facebook Marketplace or Kijiji is a pretty good spot to to dig around for them as well. I see them listed quite often in this area, anyways. You yeah, if you're desperate, them. you can go to like Home Depot. They're like ten bucks a piece. That's that's yeah. way too expensive. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, like I said, I found them for t- as low as two dollars a piece. Sometimes five. That's a little it's pricey, but two bucks yeah. a piece is a good price for them. Yeah, I'd say but, two bucks is fair. I see. You don't just grab them behind the dairy. I mean, I'm not going to make a comment about working at a dairy yeah. before. <laughs> we, 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 do, we do not recommend acquiring these by any illegal yeah. means. I love the warning on them, though, that says it's illegal to own these. Or it's illegal to have these if you're yeah, not, not a dairy or something. Uh, so. it, would be, it would be possession sure. of stolen property, I believe. But if uh, I paid two bucks for them, are they still stolen? <laughs> you're, receiving, you're receiving stolen goods no matter how you, <laughs> matter how you receive them. Anywho. Yeah. So that's the extent of my legal advice but, today. Yeah, that's uh, that's another podcast. This is not yeah. a legal advice podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I believe that brings us to our podcast challenge then. Our podcast challenge for the week. Develop an inventory, paper or digital or both, of your consumable preps, such as batteries, cans of beans, etc. And bonus points if you know where to quickly find them. Let us know what you did, how you did it, what worked, what didn't. Feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Awesome. All right, we'll move into upcoming events. I see we have something on the list. Well, it was sitting empty for so long, I had to put something in there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so the Toronto Sportsman Show, I think, is still up in the air, thanks to the uh, the new lockdowns and stuff. But anyways, the BC Sportsman Show is uh, still a go for now, March 5th to 7th of 2021. And I put a link in the show notes for uh, people interested in attending. Awesome. I'll be like Hopefully, camping and outdoorsy gear and everything else. So I would love to attend that. Oh yeah. I would love yeah. to be able to travel in March. That'd be great. They love you. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not expecting it, but I would love to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. If you do travel, don't forget TP and paper towel. That's right. <laughs> and you can backpack it. So it takes up less space. <laughs> I've learned a lot this episode. There we go. All right. Let's move into some shout outs. So uh, for myself, quick shout out to uh, Mark Petroni again. Thanks a lot for having us on uh, on your show there the other day. Uh, we had a blast with it, even though we did uh, tell people not to wear tinfoil hats. So. Where uh, where can we find that? It was uh, it was recorded, right? Uh, yeah, it was recorded. So it's uh, Saga Nine Sixty, and you can check it out on uh, Spotify or I believe it's on pretty much any podcast app. So after the uh, the show airs, 
uh, and he, he's on every day. Uh, a couple hours later, it's pushed out to uh, to podcasts. So, also on their website as well, uh, it shows um, it shows when they're uh, I guess when they're finished the show, but two hours later, it comes up on the website, and you can yeah. listen to it. So, I think yeah. we're about like an hour and ten minutes into the show on that. Uh, yeah, on the fourteenth. On the fourteenth of October, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I had fun doing it, and uh, he asked some really good questions, so I, uh, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. As for myself, I've got a uh, shout-out to uh, two new listeners, uh, Steve and Darren, so they know who they are, and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing uh, good feedback from them. Cool. Is that it for shout-outs? I think so. All right, nothing there. Is it for shout-outs? On to, on to uh, email and iTunes reviews, then. All right, so uh, I got the first one from Northern Michigan. It says, love the format and AMP. Uh, the useful info, never a waste of time. Keep up the good work. My new fave. Awesome. And uh, We're uh, actually we- planning, planning as soon as we can open the border. Uh, we were actually just talking today about going up to Mackinac Island as soon as it's, uh, as soon as it's open again. Huh. Can't well, wait to go up there. Northern Michigan. We love spending time in Northern Michigan. Second only to Northern Ontario. <laughs> All right, we've got another review here titled Great Podcast. I already agree with the review, and we're not even into it yet. It says, uh, even though I'm a Minnesotan uh, who grew up two hours from Winnipeg, I have uh, many Canadian friends, and I value the Canadian history, music, and lifestyle. Uh, sometimes convenient, uh, convince myself I, I am Canadian. Uh, I'm on an emergency response team, and uh, that does, sorry, does, does disaster preparedness. I can find entry rescue. I practice survival skills. I love this podcast uh, with many voices from across Canada uh, discussing really good topics. Thanks for the great information. Well, if you believe that you're Canadian, you can be Canadian. Welcome aboard. Minnesota is basically Canada. I mean, that's why we let Tyler come on. Well, like I did the latitude check and basically uh, Tyler and Minnesota, all those stuff. That's all like further north and more than half the population of Canada. So really... I mean, that makes you pretty much Canadian. So. Exactly. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> we'll send you some maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, I will bring episode number 89 of the Canadian Pepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course, your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out and submit a review. It helps other people find us. We do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. Um, that's why Eric should be probably reading those before we uh, try and re- or try and air them. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. That will give you an alert when we're going live. If you want to find me directly, <laughs> you can get me on Instagram at PPSWO or by email, Alan, with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. If I read them ahead of time, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun. <laughs> you wouldn't give me anything to razz you about. Yep. And for myself, I can be reached at hfxpepper at gmail.com. And I also have my own YouTube channel, Ian, no comments, please. Just search for hfxpepper. Have you uploaded a video recently? Eric, no comments. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't do it this time. Uh, You can reach Ian directly by emailing me at, oh, email change, thewesternretreat at gmail.com. The reason being is I don't want to be location specific in case one day I pull up stakes, right? Uh, there you go. Good so point. you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast, on iTunes, and YouTube. There you can find us discussing why government waste and society makes me keep lists. 
Lots of lists. <laughs> if, if your name isn't on the government list, you haven't done it right. The government, they, is, the government is shockingly say, unorganized for the number of lists that they have. They have lists. You have lists. Who has more lists? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat. Well, of course, buying some prepper gear. Uh, you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. Mm-hmm.